Hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to Church Online today. We're honored you're here with us. Maybe you're a guest. It's the first time that you're tuning in. Welcome to Cultivate Church. We're glad you're here with us. We're in a series we've titled Be Rich. This is week two of that series. If you uh, tuned in, maybe you didn't tune in last week, I'll catch you up. Last week, we talked about having hope, being rich in hope. Who are we trusting in? If you've got your notes right there on the screen, if you're there at church online or however you're tuning in, you can download those notes. Our theme verse is 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. And it says, To teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God who richly gives us. He richly provides all that we need for our enjoyment. He said, Tell them to use their money to do good. And this is where we get the title right here. It says, they should be rich in good works, generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. We told you last week that this month we're going to be talking about being rich in probably a lot of ways that we don't necessarily think about, especially in a Western culture, especially in America. We think being rich is far beyond what what the rest of the world thinks about being rich. We told you last week that most of us probably tuning in and uh, listening, however you are, you're probably in what we would consider what the world considers the 1% club. And that means you're in the probably the the top 1% of wage earners in the world. And the truth is, if maybe you don't match that 1%, that's if you you make $35,000 or more a year, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. But the reality is most of us are at least in the top 5%. Most of the world would look at us and think we are filthy, stinking rich. So we read verses like this in 1 Timothy that says, Tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust their money. And it's easy for us to turn that off. It's easy for us to lose interest because we just don't feel that way. We don't feel rich, do we? And last week we talked about what, what we need to do in order to be able to live our lives on purpose in light of this passage of Scripture. So we talked about how we're going to learn how to be rich in generosity and giving and how we're going to be rich in loving others and all the different ways that we're going to talk about this month. But none of that really is a, is a possibility unless we get the first part of that verse right. Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. What does it say? To put their hope, to put their trust in God. So week one was wrapped all around, taking, laying down the lie that many of us have bought into that we've trusted in our, in our own abilities, in our own possessions, in our own profession. And we've been able to, we've kind of bought into the lie of culture and we've lost what really God is, God's purpose and his plan and his passion for our lives. So we talked about learning to trust in God's provision. That God loves you more than you could ever dream or imagine. That he's passionate about you. As a matter of fact, check this out. There's nothing more passionate, there's nothing that God is more passionate about in the entire world than humanity. That's you and that's me. God loves you. You've not gone too far or done too much that God couldn't do something incredible in your life. We know that God's given us a promise that if we seek first the kingdom... And, and His righteousness, that He will provide everything that we need in this world. So it all begins, being rich in anything, all begins with placing our hope in God, trusting the Lord. And then today, and over the next two weeks, we're going to talk about how to be rich in giving. Rich 
and giving today. And then next week, we're going to talk about loving people. And we're going to show, after that, we're going to show what it means to love people well. What does it look like for us to live our life on purpose in a way that's no strings attached? Love to our sphere of influence. So if you've got your notes, go ahead and pull those out. We're going to dive in together. And we're going we're gonna to pray that the Lord would do what only He can do and open our hearts and minds to His Word, all right? So, Father, we love You. We're thankful for Your grace and Your Word and Your, uh, your goodness and Your love on our lives. God, we pray as we open up Your Word today that You would do what only You can do, that You would perform spiritual surgery on our hearts, that we would walk away from Your Word challenged to live our life on purpose in a way that honors You. In Jesus' name, amen. So check this out. If being rich biblically isn't really about accumulating more things, what is it about? What is it about? Here's what it is. It's generosity. Did you know the entire gospel can be wrapped up and summed all up with the word generosity? For God so loved the world that he gave. Everything is wrapped around the idea of generosity. Now I know what you're thinking. I can't afford to give. And many of you probably are right to some degree because you've bought into culture's lie for so long that you're strapped financially and you couldn't give something if you wanted to. I've been there. Maybe you're there now or maybe you can remember a time in your life where you've said to yourself, man, I wish I could help with that. I really wish I could give to that cause. I wish I could do something about that scenario, but I just can't. I'm just strapped. You don't even see a way out so that you could even begin to live that kind of life. When I, and you've, maybe you've said this, when I make more money, I'll for sure be generous. When I pay off the car, or when I pay off the student loan or the house, when I get more, when I'm able to, did you know this, that statistically that's probably just never going to be true? Statistically, by and large, rich people in America aren't really good at it. They're not really good at using their resources for good in the world. Statistically, most people in America, as their income grows, their level of giving actually shrinks. People who make more money give less statistically than everybody else in the country. It's because we've taught ourselves when we buy into the lie, it becomes something harder and harder to let go of. We, we gain more and more anxiety of losing the increase, that we do everything we can do to hold on to it. But here's what I know. If I don't condition myself to be generous when there's little, I'll never be generous when there's much. I'm just going to ask you to hear me out over the next couple of minutes. We're going to lay out an idea, a thought process, that I believe would help us to live out a life of generosity, which is what I think God is actually ultimately calling us to do. We're going to call it How to Be Rich in Giving. So what does that look like? Number one, if you're taking notes, type this in or write this down. I need to know why. If you're ever going to be generous, you need to know why you're doing it. And I love the Bible in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. We see our why. It says this, Paul's writing to the church, and he says, Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Come on, that's the American dream, isn't it? Keep up with the Joneses. Do what you can do to impress everyone around you. It doesn't really matter if you know what's going on or you've got your stuff together, as long as everybody thinks you have your stuff together. And that's where many of us are, drowning in our own anxiety, not really able to sleep at night. How are we going to pay off the bills? How are we going to get to the next thing? Don't be selfish. Stop trying to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. 
Don't look out for your own interest, only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude as Christ Jesus had. When I love that verse, thinking of others as better than yourself. Why be generous? Why? Here's one, one of the reasons you can write this down. I know that generosity opens the heart of people. It opens the heart of people. People are way more, uh, 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 po the possibility of someone opening up to the gospel is way more, a greater possibility when you're generous, when you're kind, when you love people well. How do I know that? Because it's happened to us. We're more open to things when people are extravagantly generous to us. Come on, have you ever been in a restaurant where someone is overly excited to serve you? Overly excited to make sure every need is met. I love Chick-fil-A. I don't even like Chick-fil-A's chicken very much, but I love going to Chick-fil-A because it's always incredible service. They go above and beyond. You say anything, and it's always my pleasure. I love, uh, there's another company out called the Ritz-Carlton, one of the greatest hotels in all of the world, even historically. And it's one of the, one of the they have extreme customer service. You would never walk into a Ritz-Carlton where someone isn't treating you better than themselves. It's a, real, it's a rule of thumb in these organizations. Did you know that what the world sees as radical customer service, as radical servanthood, as unbelievable uh, businessship or whatever you would call it, what the world sees as extravagant really is just simple Christian-owned, operated businesses absolutely committed to biblical values. It's not extravagant in the Bible. It's just what Scripture calls us to do. Treat others, think of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. What does that look like? Something simple like holding the door open for someone, smiling at them, Asking them how their day's going. It's radical. That's what the world thinks. It's in crazy that you can open a door, hold a door open for someone as they walk through the door, and they think that that's extravagant because they never see it anywhere. Isn't it crazy that something as simple as Chick-fil-A saying, my pleasure, when someone says thank you or anything like that, and it's so radical that it changes the entire atmosphere, even in a city. You can see restaurants that are sitting empty all day long and Chick-fil-A's wrapped around the building and they're still quicker and they're still better and the service is better and the attitude is better because it's based off of a biblical value. Putting someone first. That's our why. Why do I give? Why do I give? Because, I, because Jesus calls us to put others first, to place value on them before ourselves. There's a lot of benefits even to generosity. Did you know that? Check this out. I saw this this week as we were studying that statistically people who are generous are more satisfied with life. There was research done and, uh, and they, they realized that high generosity groups were happier overall in every aspect when they were asked about friendships, family, romance, even finances. They were in general just more satisfied with their life. They discovered that high generosity people actually have more friends. Generosity certainly seems to help people with their social life. It even they 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 have better relationships. Their relationships are stronger with the people that they consider their friends. Statistically, people who are generous 
are happier with their careers. They have a more positive outlook. They have a better physical and mental health. Satisfaction with what you have. People who are generous are more satisfied with what they have. Here's what I think. I think generosity helps you narrow down what's really important in life. Because I know that I'm going to be generous. I know that I'm going to treat people as better than myself. I create margin in my life so that I can do that. And I, I, I learn how to become more satisfied with what I have. They, they, they said this, the final thing that they said in this study, that people who are high, gener, high generosity folks, they actually have higher self-esteem. They know who they are. When you're worried less about keeping up with the Joneses and more about making the world around you a better place, it just does something good to your self-esteem. Being rich and giving, and giving is doing what Scripture just taught us to do. It's having the attitude of Christ. What was his attitude? I know this, you can't read anywhere in Scripture where Jesus did anything spiritually for someone without him first helping them or investing in them physically. Jesus was a generous human. He was a generous person. He lived the value that he teaches us to live out ourselves. Andy Stanley says this, that the local church gained traction around the world in the first century not because of their doctrine. Think about that. Come on, our doctrine's kind of weird, right? We believe that a guy rose from the dead. That's, nobody really believed that, right? Nobody would have thought into that. But the local church gained traction because Christians were more generous than anybody else. And it wasn't about how much they had. It was about what they were willing to give. They says, uh, history tells us that even when the, uh, in the first century, when plagues would hit cities, that it was the Christians that would stay and they would give and they would love and they would help the poor and the disenfranchised and those that were sick when the rest of the cities would completely abandon them. Why? Because they actually did believe this thing. They weren't afraid of death and they would love people generously. Mother Teresa, one of the most famous believers of all time, was one of the few in her time that would love the unlovable and give to the ungivable. She would, she would reach out and serve people. She was a generous person. See, generosity opens the door for people to know who Jesus is. Proverbs says it this way. In Proverbs chapter 18, it says that the gift makes way for the giver. It opens the door for ultimately what matters most, the gospel. If we're ever going to speak into someone's eternity and God's ever going to change someone's life for all of eternity, it's going to require us to step into the here and now and into the physical and open the door through generosity. That's our why. Why do we give? Why be generous? Well, beyond the benefits to us physically, people are generally more happy when they're generous. It opens the door of the gospel to people. So, it says, so, so Paul reminds us in Philippians to, to think of others as better than ourselves. Number two, we need to know our what. Okay, so I'm going to be generous. So I'm going to give. I'm going to be rich in giving. Well, what in the world am I even going to give? Well, it, let me show you what the, what the church did in Acts chapter 2. And all of the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. I underlined that in my notes. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared their meals, listen to this, with great joy and generosity. Now there was a time in my life when I read this passage of scripture as a young man and said, man, that's pretty intense. That's pretty difficult to do. I'm not sure that I could sell all that I had and just give it away. 
I'm not sure that I could. There's another guy that, that that same thing happened to. The Bible, Jesus calls him the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus and said, I've tried everything. I've done everything you've asked me to do. I, uh, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus told him, go sell your possessions. Give it all to the poor and come and follow me. And the Bible says that he walked away sad. He walked away sad. Why? Not because I don't, think, I don't think heaven was hinging on him selling his possessions, but Jesus knew in that moment that his possessions had him. He didn't have his possessions. Then the reality is the Bible teaches us we, that we can't serve God and money because one of those things takes priority. And God has to be God and resource has to be resource. And Jesus reminds us that if we're going to be generous and if we're going to make a difference in the world, then our generosity needs to be extreme extravagant. It needs to be. This was extravagant. They sold everything and they shared with those in need. Am I saying that everybody needs to stop what they're doing and go sell everything and, and, and pile it up and give? No, that's not it. I'm saying that, that nothing needs to have your heart so much that you can't extravagantly bless those around you. It's called extravagant and joyful generosity. This idea honestly can be entirely attributed to Christianity in the New Testament. See, even in the Old Testament, it was taught to do unto others as you would have those to do to you. That's the golden rule in the Gospel of Matthew. That's what people taught. But then along comes Jesus, and he gives us this even greater idea, this greater rule. His attitude, his mindset, the Bible says that he so loved you that at the right time, he went to the cross. He endured the cross for the joy of the resurrection. Like he knew what was coming, and he sacrificed himself. What does that mean? He, what, what we just spoke about in Philippians, he treated us greater than himself. So he extravagantly gave because he valued us more than even himself. Here's a question. When's the last time you have willingly and prayerfully given to a cause that wasn't under compulsion or guilt? Think about that for a moment. A few weeks ago, I walked out of a store and I, I got caught, like many of us have, I walked right into the face of a young lady who was raising money for a cause. And I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of guy that I, I hate those situations. I hate being like cornered and stuck into those moments. I don't really even care what it is if, uh, that's raising money in that moment. I just feel like, oh, I just can't. So I've, I've, I've caught myself even going out other doors, sides of the building, so that I don't have to get caught in those moments. And this particular day, I got caught. I walked right out into it, didn't even know what I was doing. And sure enough, I was guilted into giving to this cause. Maybe you've done that in your life. Maybe you've walked into a store or walked out like that and you've been guilted in, or maybe you figured out a way around it. We've all done that at some point. But here's what else I know. I know most people, many people in this world, the entire idea of generosity is that feeling, that emotion. The only time I'm ever actually generous is when I'm under compulsion, when I'm giving out of guilt. I've got guilt. Maybe you've done that. Well, the Bible reminds us in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, hey, you, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. Listen to this. Let this sink in. God loves a person who gives cheerfully. 
So I want you to understand something today. When we talk about this radical generosity, being rich in giving, it should never be in a moment because I feel feel compulsed to do it or I feel under pressure to do it. I do it because of what Jesus first did for me. I recognize his extravagant generosity and it overflows into my life. Can I tell you something? If the only time you've ever been generous uh, is when you, were, when you were under guilt or when you were under compulsion, I'm telling you, you need, to, you need to spend some time with the Lord and ask Him to reconcile that in your heart. Because generosity is a characteristic of the Father overflowing through the Son into our lives. And it makes all the difference. If that's the thing that opens the world to the gospel, how, much, how generous should we all be? Three things, real quick, extra in your notes that extravagant generosity does. Extravagant generosity, it always grows my faith. Always. There's never been a time that I stepped out and gave extravagantly. What I felt was extravagant. Can I tell you, extravagant, there's no number on extravagant generosity. Everybody's in a different place in life, and we're all in different seasons. We talked about that last week. I've been young, and I've been poor, and I've had no money, and I've still had opportunities to give through extravagant generosity in those seasons of my life as well. It's more, it's, it's, it's generosity that doesn't necessarily make sense in the moment, but it always stretches my faith. Can I tell you this? It proclaims the love of God. There's never been a moment in my life when I've, when I've stepped into what I felt like God had called me to do and given something extravagantly where it did not cause people to thank the Lord. That it did not cause people to, it didn't point people to Jesus. Now, it could have easily pointed to me. I could have said, look at me and look at what I've done. But in these moments, it always, if you allow it to as a follower of Jesus, it will always point them back to him. And I love this because it's true. The Bible talks about it, that when you do things like this, it creates thanksgiving. Literally, people who may not even know the Lord find themselves thanking the Lord. It's the beautiful thing about extravagant giving is that we get to do it together. Here's what I know. The Lord always takes our little and we get to do, he does extravagant things through us, even as a local church. Did you know there's nothing like the local church? Because of so many people's faithfulness here at Cultivate Church, just this year when a tornado ransacked much of Shelby County, literally within just a few days, within a matter of weeks, our church was able to give out over $50,000 worth of help Hours, hundreds of hours worth of man hours and and time and skill and labor. Y'all, that's extravagant generosity. It's because people decided to be faithful in their little. I know that the local church together can do way more than I can do individually on my own. I remember back when Katrina hit New Orleans years ago, and I remember it ransacked the whole city. It was such a sad thing to see and watch. But I remember one of the beautiful things is watching the local church move into action. I remember I was watching one television network, and the president was on, and he was making a speech, and he stated publicly that the government could not respond at the pace of the local churches, that they were showing up, and they were beating the government to the punch, and they were already meeting needs, and they were already loving people, and, and the government, was getting, they were getting on the site and realizing that needs had already been met. See, that's extravagant generosity through the local church. There's no other force like the local church in the world. Y'all, when we're in step with the heart of Christ in the direction of the Holy Spirit. So how do I do that? Okay, Brandon, I got my why. 
You're saying my what should be extravagant. How in the world can I begin to even work that out in my life? Well, number one, I'm going to write this down. By being faithful with my little. Just start somewhere. Come on, start with the tithe. Start with, start with something small and just be faithful with your little. And then number two, by growing my faith. Start there, but don't stop there. As, as you're given opportunity, give a little more. Make a difference. Look for opportunities to give in someone's life. Maybe you're in a place in life right now where you need to stretch your faith. You need to trust God. You've been generous. You've been faithful in your little. But you need to trust the Lord and give extravagantly. You need to be, be rich in good deeds. Rich in giving. Here's what I know. I'm following Jesus for 20 years. I've never been able to outgive God. You will never outgive God. May we always be a church that together, faithful in our little, gives extravagantly to change the world around us. So you got to know your why, you got to know your what, and you got to know when. I love it. Galatians 6 10 tells us this. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those in the family of faith. Listen to me, hear this clearly. The voice of the enemy has never told someone to do good for anyone else. You don't have to pray about generosity. You don't have to seek the face of God about doing good for someone. If that opportunity presents itself, you should position yourself in a way to be ready for it every time. Always, when we're given the opportunity, when do I need to do it? Today. You need to start today praying for God to open doors of opportunity. Open your eyes for doors of opportunity to be extravagantly generous with those around you. It opens the door to the gospel. And listen, church, we're not promised tomorrow. And if there's ever an opportunity to open the door for somebody that is eternity to be changed, if that's as easy as it is, let's start giving. Let's start making a difference. I've learned this in my life as well, that the right time, it's not always the most convenient time. But we're not looking for convenient. We're looking for right. God's looking for obedience. And the Bible says this in Romans. It says, at the right time, Christ died for us. Can I tell you, I can guarantee you there wasn't a convenient time for Jesus to leave his deity. There wasn't a convenient time for him to leave the, the, the luxury of heaven and to come and be born on this earth and to live a perfect life as a poor person despised by the world around him. Come on, there was nothing convenient about, the, about what Jesus did. But his generosity was extravagant. His gift to the world, more than we could ever dream or imagine. For God so loved the world that he gave. Come on, y'all, that's the gospel. When given an opportunity, I'm going to live my life on purpose to make a difference in the sphere of influence God has given me. So I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you what Scripture reminds us. Teach those, remind them who are rich in this present world to be rich in good deeds, to love those, to be rich in giving. Maybe today you can't necessarily fathom that or understand that because you don't understand the gift that God actually gave us. You don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know him as your personal Savior. Well, The Bible tells us, it reminds us that God did so love the world that he gave us. Come on, no strings attached. Never ever have to pay back. He gave us Jesus, the perfect sacrifice for our sins. 
the Bible says that you and I are born into sin and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. And as a result, because of sin in our life, that we are destined to spend an eternity apart from God in a place called hell. But because God loved you enough and he loved me enough, he didn't want to see that happen. He reconciled us back to himself through Jesus. Jesus died on a cross. He sacrificed himself for our sins. He placed our sins upon his own self. And he gave his life for you and for me. And the Bible says that three days later, it teaches us, reminds us that he came back to life, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And here's the gift. The Bible says that he is here and he is available to you and to me. And because that work was done on the cross, we have opportunity to accept him as our personal savior and to be reconciled back to the Father. And you're here today and you want that in your life. You would simply say, Father, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I need you as my Savior. I accept you into my life. From this day forward, I claim you as my Savior, and I'm going to follow you as my Lord. I'm going to live my life on purpose in a way that honors you, Lord. I'm going to be rich in generosity. I'm not going to trust in the, in, in the lies of culture around me. I'm going to trust in God, and I'm going to be rich in giving. And it's going to open the door of opportunity to see my family know who Jesus is, my sphere of influence know who Jesus is. I'm yours today. Father, thank you for salvation. God, I pray for my church. I pray for our family. I pray for my friends tuning in right now. God, I pray that you would inspire them, encourage them, God, to look for opportunities right now, this week, today, tomorrow, this year, to, 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 to be rich in giving. And it would open the door of blessing and open the door of opportunity for the gospel to reach the nations. And you would get all the glory and all the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen.